0: Wow. okay good afternoon everybody welcome to another edition of complete sports podcast i'm your host darren campbell and joining me on a beautiful monday afternoon uh, it's nice to be able to get these uh done in the afternoon it does uh shorten my uh preparedness time and uh make it a little bit more stressful today but uh great to have you on a Monday, May the 1st. Uh, can you believe it's already May? Uh, we had such a glorious, uh, beautiful weekend. Not as nice sunny-wise today, but uh, really nice to have that sun this weekend, wasn't it?
1: No, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was great. Um, I, I did get out for a little bit there on Saturday. and I saw outside and I was like, wow, this is great. But I think that's enough sun for me. <laughs> to protect my skin. You know what All I mean? Right. So- <laughs> that's awesome what
0: did you get up to what did you um up to? well um uh, just uh hanging out with some friends and uh yeah just you know we just yeah it was pretty chill mostly uh you know I can think of sports you know <laughs> watched a ton of sports um uh it was nice that uh you know we were able to finally see some series wrap up in the nba uh some actual series start uh cup game ones and um ufc uh i saw some uh bare knuckle fighting which was pretty good actually um watched a lot of hockey there was game sevens uh littering the weekend tons of great incredible games there and i love this time of year when the nba playoffs and the nhl playoffs are neck and neck and there's So many games that mean something, especially when it comes down to a game seven in a series. You know, there's just nothing better in North American sports to watch a game seven and, you know, know it's do or die for each team and uh, usually see some really epic battles. That game yesterday between Golden State and Sacramento, uh, you know, it was neck and neck for a while until Steph just uh, put his foot on the gas and just absolutely torched them. Uh, one of the most incredible performances, and it comes just, you know, a week or so after Jimmy Butler put on that performance he did, uh, this one was just so goddamn epic. He just – he was just say, hey, I'm not done yet. What can you say now? Here we go. And, and uh, you know, to get – shoot 20 of 38, get seven threes, get 50 points, the most ever in a game seven, and uh just say, you know, hey, i'm I'm making sure this team gets into the second round at least and and probably farther. And uh, this was, yeah, this is one of the most fun, incredible performances I ever witnessed. It was one of the best series I've watched so yeah. far. Like
1: like it it was the series is so good that i'm I'm this is just me talking, but I'd love to see this again next year.
0: Yeah. I'd love to
1: see these two teams meet up again. Next yeah, year, the same thing because the we're series home. was excellent to watch. Um, an unheralded, un- unheralded uh, player for the Warriors that doesn't get enough credit for the job that he did with rebounding the ball with Kevon. Yeah, Kevon in three games had twenty plus rebounds, yeah. and including in the seventh game, ended up with twenty one rebounds. I think like ten offensive rebounds, eleven defensive rebounds. Yeah, I think he was like the third person ever to ever do that in Game Seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, it hadn't been done uh, since 2008 by Dwight Howard, um, Charles Barkley, and um, I think oh. Chamberlain. Was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah that had uh, those uh, three 20-point performances in a series, and um, this is a guy that's six foot nine, doesn't have a shot, but just absolutely has more heart than anybody out there has more will and desire to get that ball. And there was many times where, you know, Sabonis was there in a better position than him and he just had way more desire to get that ball. And I saw um, uh, Mike Brown say it in the timeouts, a couple times, like, Hey guys, like we got to show more desire, more will to get that ball. They're out hustling us. They're out rebounding us. They need it, or they want it more. So let's turn this around and and show you guys you want it more. And Kevon just ripped the heart out of them so many times where they thought they had the rebound, and he just completely came and took it away from them on free throw misses, on really contested shots. He was in there, uh, he was just uh, an absolute beast. And and this is a guy that's you know undersized for a center, and he's the 39th highest paid center in the NBA 39th. So, and we only have these 30 teams. So like, this is crazy. uh, Incredible. And he was just as integral as Steph was, uh, you know, scoring the ball, because if he doesn't get most of those, they're not getting buckets. They're not, you know, keeping ahead and they're not winning these games.
1: Yeah, no, they're not getting their second chance points. Like even, even when uh Steph uh did that uh the relocation, he did the quick outlet to Kayvon, and Kayvon yeah. just immediately passed it out to him in the three-pointer. And I'm like, isn't somebody supposed to be guarding that guy? <laughs> oh, it's too late, and it's in the bucket. Like yeah. there's one thing I was just watching uh, Reggie Miller talking about, giving obviously Stephen Curry his flowers on Dan Patrick's show. Nice. He said something that was actually pretty poignant, which is you have to remember he took 38 shots. Yeah. 20 and 38. Do you have any idea how much work that is to do that? Yeah. How much supreme shape he has to be in to get up 40 quality shots. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And you forget about that, that he yeah. is in that good shape to do that for the course of the game. I think personally he just wore out the Sacramento Kings, where they're just mm-hmm. like, he just keeps coming at us. <laughs> what did you expect us to do? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, he broke their will. He broke their spirit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw Davis come up to him after and just say, like, holy crap. What the hell? Wow. What did you just do to us? Um, You know, it, it it's a really good point of yours because I started wondering if game seven, all these young legs, fresher yeah. than these guys, you know, the Warriors have been – in the finals, six out of the last eight years, they've been, you know, so many long, long, long playoff runs. Uh, this is a 10-year stretch that they've really dominated basketball in so many ways. And, and you know, you thought maybe the young legs were finally ready to take over these old legs, but Steph is Steph is so dynamic. And the great thing about him is that he constantly pushed himself to be better. He was, yeah. you know, everybody said after one or two years, especially when he's when he's one is when he won his MVPs, they were like greatest shooter that's ever been created. And he still pushed himself to get better. He's such so good at, he scored 22 points in the paint. He's so yeah. good at driving. He's so good at dribbling the ball. He's so good at finding open holes. He's not just a shooter. And he, he's working so hard even when he gives up the basketball he's yeah. just constantly moving and moving and moving till he's open somewhere for somebody to find him if they need him and you know i i love how m- much bigger and stronger he's got he's yeah. put on a lot of muscle a lot of size he's able to actually push guys off of him he's able to slide through those holes and not you know get when he gets physical contact it doesn't hurt him take him down he yeah. is um he's just a masterful athlete that I'm glad realized he had to just keep improving every off season he just took it to another level another level another level and and we haven't seen this kind of dominance for so many years like when the spurs dominated they had you know those that core that just kept yeah. coming at you coming at you and you just knew you're going to have to see them every year if you wanted to win a championship we saw it with jordan obviously during his heyday but steph has just taken it to this next level and and you and i always talk about lebron james how much of a freak of nature he is and it's incredible what he's doing at 38 we got to remember steph is 35 and he's still you know i think the best player in basketball he won the mvp of the finals last year and that's everybody talks about rings And being the best when you win a ring, he wanted a game last year and he's on track again to win it this year. I think they can dispatch the Lakers and I think they can keep making this run go on. And, and he really proved a game that, you know, don't forget about me. You guys, uh, we had a bad, uh, bad season on the road and, you know, put us down to the sixth seed, but Hey, you know, it doesn't matter. We're in the conference semifinals and, And uh, we got home court advantage here too, isn't that great? Yeah, No, they have home court advantage, and like he's
1: just—he's amazing in his own way. Which is, uh, you know what? I'll use like, uh, MMA as an example. He has a gas tank that won't quit. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's, got—he's—he's a cardio machine. He's got a He's got a gas tank that just won't quit. So you have these defenders for the Kings. They're just going. I was like, Where is he? <laughs> and they're just like, and they're constantly running, like yeah. they're, they're they're literally running a marathon throughout the entirety of the game. You're just like, yeah. okay, what's 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 going on here? <laughs> like they, the guy yeah. doesn't stop moving, and that's a credit to him that he can actually do that for as long as he needs to for the entirety of the game, and he, he's amazing. Like it's just another, it's just another just another level that he can reach. In his legendary hall of fame career and we're just seeing it again another like just another gem another yeah. gem at Stephen Curry.
0: he he absolutely renewed my love of basketball i have always loved basketball but there have been some dips in my interest because sometimes the games really started getting very bogged down and it was just you know very low scoring and not exciting basketball Masai Jury this year, when he fired Nick Nurse in the press conference after, he said, you know, I found myself most of the time this year watching our team and thinking, this isn't fun basketball to watch. And I was thinking that so often this year when I watch the Raptors. I'm like, this is crappy. This is not fun basketball. I'm not enjoying watching this game. And I watch the Warriors, and I'm completely zoned in, completely watching every minute of the game because Steph is going to do some spectacular stuff at some point and I don't want to miss it. And I find myself rewinding it because I want to see what he just did and how he got to that spot. And it's, it's making basketball so fun and it's great to see that the Warriors nation is just spreading across the world and, and more and more people appreciating what he's bringing to the game and making it so, so, so exciting. Yes. And 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 the fact that it's acceptable
1: for, well, it should always be acceptable for the greatest shooter that we've ever seen to jack up as many threes as he needs. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it, just, it literally doesn't matter. He, yeah. he, by the way, he tossed up 18. 18. <laughs> yeah. But in what time when I was watching basketball would I ever think that I'd see a player go, oh, he tossed up 18 threes, yeah. 18 attempts. But that's, yeah. that's where we live right now. That, that's what we like to see. And yeah. also just looking for the Sacramento Kings, like you want to talk about exciting basketball. Sure. Both those teams, yeah. that's exciting basketball. Yeah, That's the kind of basketball you want to see, where they share the ball. Like for, for the Kings and the Warriors, it's like looking in the mirror, especially with their offensive packages that they have. It literally is. Yeah. They're kind of on the same sort of stuff. Sure. So I I just I just I loved the series. It was such a great series and I can't wait to see what the Warriors and Lakers have in store for us. I really can't. It's going to be Yeah. I I you
0: know, yeah, I I do see the Kings um molding themselves after the Warriors and and trying to you know develop a team like that. Why wouldn't you? Cuz look at the success and look at how basketball's going after the Warriors came and changed the game. Uh, I, I love this series. I thought it was incredible. It's great to see um, the highest scoring team in the NBA come in against, you know, the third highest scoring team and just to see them go mano a mano. I always thought the Kings probably wouldn't win this series because their defense isn't good enough and they're going to need a few guys like Gary Payton, the second, they're going to need a Wiggins and going to need a, a guy like green or Looney. Sabonis bonus is great but he's not good inside trying to get those rebounds he's not you know a guy you need you need a another guy that's going to you know muck it up inside like Yvonne looney brings uh but uh we see we've seen it a lot over the years where these teams emerge suddenly you know they go up against the guy and get knocked down but they come back the next year and they vanquish them or it takes them two or three years and they finally do and i see the the Kings finally being relevant, finally, you know, having an opportunity to show their, you know, young guns. And two All-Stars, uh, phenomenal year to, you know, finish as high as they did in the standings and and really renew the love of the game there. Uh, they're lighting this beam, and I was so happy that they didn't light it the game <laughs> the last couple of games. But, um, you know, it's nice to see another sort of um outlier uh, you know Siberia in basketball terms no playoffs for 19 years finally joined the fray and the, the fans there were amazing it was a it was an electric building uh, for the entire run yeah it was absolutely electric uh kings fans should be ecstatic for yeah. the
1: future of that franchise like going forward they're just got to be over the moon because this is everything to build upon now everything mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they they have a core. They have a foundation. Now they just got to mix and match some pieces here and there just to continually improve their team. And then maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it's the Warriors that they have to get over. Yeah. Once they get over that hump, who knows what the future brings? But they have to – you know, all these teams always have to go through the growing pains, right? Sure. And, and maybe for the Kings, this is their growing pain. And yeah. I think it, this is just – it's instrumental for their growth to have series like this. Where it's like okay, we are close, yeah. But that championship championship pedigree right there, that's where we want to be. Sure, yeah. yeah.
0: They uh, they finished forty eight and thirty four on on the season, third in the West. That was an eighteen win increase over last year. Um, as I said, they hadn't won a playoff series since two thousand and four. hadn't been in there for nineteen years. Um, De'Aaron Fox. Kevin Herder and Keegan Murray are all under contract through 25-26 season so some of their core um the only free agent prominent guy is Harrison Barnes we'll see he struggled a bit in that last game and um uh, so did uh Malik Monk who was you know pretty dynamic off the bench and had really supplied them with a lot of really good minutes and a lot of good score he struggled uh Terrence Davis stepped up, and a guy that really not was not known very much, uh, finally got an opportunity in Game Six. Played super well. Um, they they've got Trey Lyles, the uh, Canadian Saskatoon product, uh, hit a few threes and uh, was pretty damn uh, tough on the boards. Uh, really went inside and got a lot. But um, this this team's got uh, a bench, and they they've got you know some pieces. And uh looks like their core is locked up for a while. So, yeah, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for them. Uh, they had to come up against the, the defending champs and, and uh, were finally beaten seven. Um, I think this was important also for the Warriors to uh, have some adversity, prove to the world that they could win on the road, prove to themselves they could win on the road. And I think um, if they would have just swept them out of the first round or it seemed easy, complete blowouts, Maybe they don't get playoff hardened so quick. I think this series against the Lakers is going to be tough. I think whoever wins out of Denver Phoenix, it's going to be even tougher, uh, you know, but I think this was very, very big and a step for the Warriors to prove to themselves and others that they can go all the way again. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely proved to themselves that they.
1: Sorry sorry okay and for curry if there was ever a doubt for him i think he well, i don't think he's ever doubted himself he knows if i need to bring it up i can do that i can do that at a moment's notice and yeah. if if those guys need me then i am there not yeah. a problem
0: yeah it was it was so fun to watch uh it it definitely just um, was the most exciting game of the season so far for me and so great to see him and, and they put up the graphic of uh, all the guys that have scored, you know, game seven highest, and I see KD up there, number one, and I'm like, okay, just get 50, like, come on, just pass him, <laughs> just get 50, you know, because Steve Kerr was looking at him like, should I pull him out, you know, we're on Not my 20. Yeah. should I pull him out, and, you know, luckily he just left him in there to pass them all, be on the top of the mountain like he is in so many categories, so many records, but um, you know, I I looked at the record and saw Kevin Durant up there from twenty twenty one with yeah. the Brooklyn, uh, Sam Jones, forty seven, uh, Dominique Wilkins forty seven, Luca Doncic forty six, Ke- Kevin Johnson forty six, Curry had a forty five already, so he was on the list, uh, tied with LeBron James who had done it a couple times, but so nice that you know you're seeing it. 42, 45, 48. And all of a sudden, bam, he gets to 50 and <laughs> and he's on top of the mountain. It was pretty neat.
1: Yeah, it was pretty neat. And I was surprised actually. There was one name that was that surprised me in that list, which was Dominique. But I was just like, oh, Wilkins coming in strong yeah. with a 47-point performance. Totally forgot about that. But yay, my hats off to the Warriors, man. Like uh again, this was a fantastic series to watch. It was just so, so entertaining, so engaging. And then for the, for the, for the crowning moment was Steph with his 50 piece. So yeah. awesome.
0: So now it's the Lakers game starts tomorrow. They, uh, they tip off at uh, seven o'clock our time, 10 o'clock Eastern um, Lakers come in seventh seed in the West. So they will be the visiting team again um great to see the warriors getting home court advantage because definitely on the road this year they haven't been good they did win those last two games in sacramento but uh, what do you see now how do you see this series playing out uh we've saw lebron and steph face each other four times in the nba finals uh steph winning three of them lebron winning one um these franchises haven't met in the playoffs other than a play-in game a couple years ago uh, since 1991, which is pretty bizarre and crazy, but um, Steph and LeBron have, you know, had these battles against each other. Steph has come out on the winning end more often the, than LeBron. And, um, you know, I think the Warriors, uh, I'm going to favor, but uh, do you think the Lakers could, could upset them and uh, and take the series as well? I favor the Warriors
1: as well. Okay. I, I, I think... One of the the question marks to this entire series is going to be Anthony Davis. I think a lot of the Lakers' success will be predicated upon how Anthony Davis plays throughout the entirety of the series. Like he can't just show up for one or two games. Like he's got to be there supporting LeBron throughout the entirety of the series yeah. if the Lakers have a chance to win. And I and I think like if AD has some bad games, those are the games that the Warriors will definitely steal.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that that's without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah. I'm a bit worried uh, in that aspect that uh, Kevon Looney, with his lack of height next to Davis, won't be able to pull down 20 boards very often, if at all. Uh, if if Davis plays a, a maximum amount of minutes and stays healthy, uh, he has that you know height advantage, and I think he has the ability to pull down a ton of rebounds himself. So that advantage that the Warriors had against the Kings won't be there Uh, against um the Lakers but um I think LeBron's uh LeBron has a lot of amazing uh, attributes and a lot of things that give him a big advantages but I don't think his attributes give him an advantage against a lot of the shooters that the Warriors can employ and I think it's going to be challenging and difficult uh who do you see LeBron defending in the series for the most part
1: I would say that they they would probably put LeBron pro- – Wiggins? That's no. what I would say. Wiggins. But they, they're going to do a lot of switching anyways. So, like, I, I think Le- I think they're, they're going to try to keep LeBron in the key so as a, a presence to block shots for anybody driving along with Anthony Davis because he can do that too when he's totally engaged on the defensive end. It doesn't happen all the time now because of his age. And because of the fact that he pulls back a little bit to conserve something for the end of the game, right? So I would say, yeah. But I I think he's going to float a lot too as well. Um, And it's going to be hard for him to get out to all these shooters, though, because if there's one thing that the Golden State has, they got a lot of shooters. And also, too, I wanted to add Jordan Poole was not very
0: good in this series against the Kings. I I was just thinking the exact same thing wanted to mention that. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with Poole. Um yeah, he wasn't he wasn't good at all. I I didn't see him shine in any games. And I, I just really thought that he felt out of control almost all the time. When he was driving the ball, he didn't have a plan. It was just get go going, it. try to drive and, and hope hope I get a hoop. But uh yeah. lots of offensive uh fouls on him, lots of really ridiculous shots that weren't gonna go in and He just looked lost out there.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's why I'll give him an X factor. He could be an X factor for the Golden State. Like if he can turn around his game and actually maybe just simplify what he was trying to do, like just just simplify the game for himself. You know what I mean? And if he can do that and give the Warriors uh, that kind of like uh, shooting and the kind of scoring that he can provide, he's able to do that. If he can do that, is gonna it's, that's gonna make the Lakers win this series even harder. It's gonna yeah. make their job so much tougher.
0: In that game seven, I was surprised how much Clay and Andrew Wiggins struggled with their shot. They were off. Both of them were very off, and it's tough when you know your second and third options for scoring are both off. Um, yeah. you know, that's why Steph had to step up and it's get tough. his 50. Um, I think Wiggins has had an okay series um you know i thought really good defensively he seems still off from that maybe that long layoff and just not being sharp um clay you know he'll have he'll be able to be dynamic probably one or two games and score 30 or more but um we need wiggins for sure to you know just get that little bit more sharper on the offensive end
1: yeah uh, yeah consistency right like you know like they just need that consistency from him because Stephen Curry is going to do Stephen Curry cool stuff, right? And then also, too, if Thompson could be more consistent instead of having these sporadic, like, one, two, or three games where he scores 30, if he could be more consistent throughout the entirety of the series, that would help up Curry quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I was um, a little surprised that uh, we saw Draymond back in the starting lineup in game seven after coming off the bench in game five and game six. Um, do you see uh, them switching it up maybe after a loss, trying to bring Draymond off the uh, the bench again? Or do you just think Steve Kerr is just going to roll out those those five guys uh, consistently every game? I think they might just roll out the five guys consistently
1: just to combat the the height that the Lakers have on them because the Lakers are a bigger team. And I think that Draymond needs to start so that he can bat, combat them with his defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. His defense was pretty dynamic in a lot of the series and was, you know, big factor. Um, I love that Steve Kerr is the coach of the Warriors. I love that he went through all those long uh playoff runs with the Bulls and Michael Jordan, and then he goes with to the Spurs and is part of that organization when they go on the run. Uh, he just seems like such an amazing presence there and, and just a perfect guy for this organization to keep on this run 10 years of brilliance. And I think Steve Kerr is, uh, has to get a lot of credit for what they've done and how they've been able to do it. Yeah. I think he
1: gets a ton of credit for that. And also to making sure that the offense is tailored towards his like hall of fame guards, because he was a shooter as well. He understands movement and shooting and everything else. So to make sure that they have an offense that's geared towards that, it's brilliant. Yeah. It, it, that's actually genius. Playing towards your 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 player's strengths. That's exactly what he does. So yeah, he he should get a ton of credit. Should get a ton of credit every year.
0: Yeah. Um okay, why don't we uh switch to the other matchup in the west. Uh we've seen one game between the uh Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. Uh basically Jamal Murray became the bubble Murray again and was able to just really be that dynamic. Uh, anytime Phoenix started making a run towards uh, making this game close, Jamal just took the ball and scored at will. It uh, was super dynamic and one, the main reason why Denver got uh, victory number one in the opening game.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jamal Murray was amazing. 34 points, five rebounds, nine assists. He did it all. He scored at all levels. And uh, Jokic, as a partner, makes it easier for him because that guy can just, he just, he's he's a savant when it comes to passing the uh, passing the basketball. So, and Jokic had a great game as well, 24 points, 19 rebounds, five, five assists. But with Jokic, even in this game, you just didn't really notice that he was scoring the ball the way he, he'll take, he takes instances in the game where it's like, oh, I, I guess the team needs me to score. And then he'll score. And he'll just do it that easily. And I think this is going to be a very, very hard series for the Suns because they don't have the depth that right. the Nuggets have. They don't have the amount of players that, because the Nuggets can just keep coming at you in waves because they have a very, very strong roster. Yep. I think it's going to be tough again for the Suns, for Durant and Booker. You know, they, they had pretty good games Durant 29 points fourteen rebounds. Booker at 27 points along with eight assists. But, the thing is, they're asking those two guys to do that for the entirety of the game, where the Nuggets players get chances to rest. Sure. Yeah. And, and I and I think that's going to be that's going to be the huge difference in this series, where where the Suns are asking those two to do it all the time, where the Nuggets don't necessarily have to do it all the time. They can have other guys step up, like Michael Porter Jr. or whatever. They'll have they can, they have other guys that can score 20, 25, 30 points in a game.
0: Yeah, just trying to get Kevin Durant in the fold. Um, the, uh, the 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 uh, Suns had to give up so much of their bench, so much of the depth that they have. So they're they are very thin, and these guys are going to get tired. Um, Durant, I thought had an awesome game, uh, yeah. 14 rebounds and, and 29 points. Uh, that's super impressive. Uh, I didn't really love DeAndre Ayton's game. I don't know what um, you know, what occurred there, but. Uh, Chris Paul looked a bit off to me just didn't um, seem to take over and be that uh, dynamic point guard that they needed to be and um, yeah their their bench is just you know getting outplayed big time by the Nuggets Um, KCP Bruce Brown Jeff Green and Braun bringing uh, coming in and and all bringing a lot to the table it's such a a pleasure I'm sure for uh, the Nuggets to see that and um, yeah I think in a long, drawn-out series, um, I think it's going to be crucial, uh, you know, keeping some of these guys fresh, not playing tons of minutes. Uh, you know, for Jokic only to play thirty-three minutes in a in a nice, you know, easy victory—that's got to be huge for him at uh, this time of the season. And um, yeah, I I was sort of surprised. I didn't. I thought this game would be um, really super competitive going down to maybe one of the two last possessions, but uh, Denver just showed that hey we were number one seed for a reason and uh you know i i really think uh you know seeing aaron gordon play really well jamal murray played amazing jokic played just terrific uh yeah. yeah this team has a lot more than the Suns can maybe deliver i think this will be a long series and there'll be games where booker and kd just go off and there's no way that they can compete with him but uh yeah good on denver to get that first victory under their belt
1: Yeah, great on Denver. And again, Jokic just makes the game easier. Like, the guys are just going to have wide-open shots because of his wizardry with passing the the basketball, as opposed to uh, the Suns. It just seems that they just have to work so much harder on offense to get the shots that they need to get. And on top of that, they don't take a lot of threes, whereas Jokic will spray it out to these guys, and they have wide-open threes. Yeah, Wide-open. Yeah. And that's another big difference in this. That's gonna be a big difference in this series.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's you know, one of the main reasons I think that a lot of voters uh voted MVP for Jokic the last two years is just his diversity, just his his ability to not only score and rebound, but uh you know, just be such a facilitator and playmaker and and give those wide open looks to his guards and his and his forwards. And yeah, this was. This was a, a you know very interesting game, but uh, game one, game two goes tonight, uh, seven o'clock tip off here on the West Coast, ten o'clock on in the East. Um, man, I'm glad I don't uh, live in the East. Every time I hear about those late starts, uh, no. I, I would be sleeping until noon every day and staying up till uh, the wee hours of the morning. Oh, uh, well, maybe I still do that, but uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> but um, yeah, imagine having your uh, basketball game starting at 10 o'clock, the UFC starting at 10 o'clock. Like, that's not That's not great, is it?
1: No, that's a little rough, man. It's a little rough, especially if, if you're looking at the clock going, like, oh, man, I do have to go to work tomorrow. This is going to suck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's switch to the east here. Um, we have one game tonight, Boston-Philly. Uh, Let's get to that in a second Uh, tip off is four o'clock here, but now we're away from where we sit. And, uh, but we've had one game in the Miami, New York series. Uh, Miami came in uh, out of the play in first team to emerge from the play in and get a a playoff berth, knocking off the Milwaukee bucks in five games uh, after Jimmy Butler just went incredibly off and just was able to just will this team to victory Goes into New York, Madison Square Garden, rabid crowd, tons of celebrities there, and ripped the heart out of the Knicks fans right away with a, another victory. Uh, he didn't have um, you know one of those super incredible 40, 50 pointers, but uh, was just a solid presence, able to really be there for the team and get a big win in game one in MSG.
1: Yes, uh, he got a big win, and he was the leading scorer on the Heat. 25 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. He he didn't need to do all of what he had to do in the previous series for this, at least for this game. Yeah. And uh, he had support from his backcourt, and that was the, the other thing that really stood out to me was that uh, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, outplayed the backcourt uh, of of the Knicks. Yeah. They were better. They That's were great. better than them. Even though Brunson had 25 points and along along with seven assists, the Kyle Lowry. 18 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Gabe Benson 20 points, 2 rebounds, 5 assists. I will say this. If that consistently happens throughout the course of this uh play playoffs between the Heat and the Knicks, if the Heat guards can outplay the Knicks guards, the Knicks will lose this series. Yeah. I'll say that right now. They are yeah. going to lose this series if
0: that continues to happen. Jalen Brunson, uh in the post um post uh game. Press conference. He took the blame upon himself. He said he absolutely played horrible. I I didn't think he played super bad, but he really uh, took it hard. Uh, he was twenty five, five and seven, seven assists. And um, uh, but you're right. They their backcourt did get outplayed. Uh, Gabe Vincent, going from an undrafted guy, had to fight his way through the G League and get him get himself into the league. Uh, being uh, basically a a scorer first in his entire career before stepping into Miami was able to really, um, yeah, just be the guy there. And it was super impressive. Um, Kyle Lowry having to adjust to a new role lately coming off the bench, but bringing a lot when he does come off the bench. Uh, It's great to see the 37 year old still be able to bring it and, and uh, do do really well when he gets his minutes and, um yeah this was huge for Miami uh New York had a ton of momentum going in home court advantage and uh not Jimmy Butler didn't have to put up 30 40 50 points uh this was big the only worry i guess i have now is how badly is jimmy butler's ankle Angle. after rolling it um near the end of the game about 5 minutes left he played most of the rest of the game but he looked hobbled Obviously, uh, you know, we both rolled ankles and they swell up on you. They feel worse the next day. Even two days later, they feel even worse than that. Um, we've seen Julius Randle have to miss this game because he rolled his ankle. Um, this will be very, very, very tough on Miami if Jimmy has to miss any time. Yeah,
1: because if Jimmy has to miss any time, like that's going to be, almost impossible for them to win that game without him. Like, I think he's integral to everything that they, like, absolutely everything. So, it's going to be very, very hard for them to to win without Jimmy Butler. Uh, It'll be interesting to see for the next game if Jimmy Butler will be available, if he'll play. Um, And also, too, going forward, whenever Julius Randle will come back to the team, that's another question mark. Because, clearly to me, they need all of their guns to go and they need Julius Randall back in the lineup yeah. for the next to be successful.
0: The only uh, thing that I noticed was there's a long stretch between game two and game three. Uh, they've already wrestled home court advantage away from New York. So if they rest him, uh, their third game is not till Saturday. They play tomorrow 430 tip, but they don't play again until Saturday back in Miami. So um, that if they do decide uh give them some time make it heal 100% uh if we lose we got a split we're going home yeah. um yeah that's quite a nice long stretch for him before game 3 yeah
1: and that works both ways that would go for Julius Randle and for Butler so yeah. for them to have that much time off that hey that that would be invaluable so that we
0: might see that we might yeah. see that um i think Julius Randle struggled in that first round, but I think he is important and integral to this team, having the success and being able to, to beat a, a very deep heat, heat team. Yeah, no, I, I think he's definitely integral. I think he was slowed up because he
1: was still dealing with that ankle injury. Cause clearly I don't think it was completely healed. Yeah. And so I think it's whatever he can give you, like whatever that guy can give you. I think it's still
0: needed. I think the Knicks still need
1: whatever he can give you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Robinson uh been a beast like Kevon Looney we talked about mm-hmm. earlier but holy crap is his shot terrible I can't believe how bad his free throw shots look uh somebody like come on teach the guy how to shoot the ball a little bit like he's just he's just kind of like throwing it at the hoop just hoping it's it has no arc on it it's flat as hell and it's one of the worst shots I've seen in years Shaquille O'Neal comes to mind. I have a few other guys come to mind. But this is one terrible-looking shot.
1: Maybe he needs to incorporate the Mason Plumlee um, um, strategy, which is shoot left. <laughs> shoot left. Yeah, because all of a sudden Plumlee started doing that and he shot over 70%. So maybe, maybe that's what he needs to do. He's like, right hand, can't do it. Let's go lefty. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think I'd go with the granny shots and uh, <laughs> probably be better than the left. But yeah, that was horrible to watch. And and uh, I'd be fouling him all the time. Every time he got the ball, I'd be sending him to the line because you're not getting any points down at that end. Uh, that would be my strategy if I was Eric Spolstra and and this Knicks and this Heat team. Uh yeah, it's uh it's gonna be an interesting series. I'm really excited about it. Uh it's pretty crazy that it's uh number, you know, the number eight team uh, you know, making it, but uh looking like they're the team to beat in this already. Um okay, why don't we just touch on the Boston Philly game uh series? Game one goes tonight. Um, obviously the biggest story is Joel Embiid being out uh probably. Uh they say he's doubtful t- for tonight this sprained knee that he has is giving him tons of trouble and, and uh, Philly has no shot if, if he doesn't come back. Uh, they want Tyrese Maxey and James Harden to, you know, shoulder the load and, and try to help. But um, Boston's too deep, too much weapons for Philly to win without their MVP and their inside guy. Uh, this is really, really, this sucks so bad for Philly that Embiid's hurt. And, um, uh, hopefully he can go, but it it looks right now that he's doubtful for game one. Yeah. it. it I
1: guess the question mark for the 76ers is how many games does he miss right. in this series? Because even if he misses, like, hopefully he doesn't miss three games. He misses three games, forget it. 76ers, I win the series. It's, it's over. Yeah. It's literally over. So, uh that's that's the question for me it's like whenever they're able to get him back that's when you can say the series is on but as long as he's out and that this is boston's to lose this is boston series to lose yeah
0: um these two matching up is the most ever by two franchises in playoff battles this is their 22nd meeting ever in the history um Boston is 14 and seven of won 14 series Philly seven and Boston's won the last five. So, um, big advantage, obviously. Uh, yeah. And especially being, uh, pretty much hundred percent healthy. Um, yeah, this, this could go quickly, uh, especially if Embiid misses two or three games, uh, this, this will not be a good series. If he comes back, I guess, it's just knowing how healthy he is, how many minutes he can absorb and shoulder the load. Um, can he be his dynamic MVP-like self? And um, I guess that's going to be just a wait-and-see approach for this. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely a wait-and-see approach. And hopefully he
1: can come back and he's not slowed down by the injury because uh, they're going to need him to be at full capacity to beat this excellent, excellent Celtics team.
0: There feels like more injuries this playoffs than most uh, playoffs, and uh, and you know very big, big dynamic players for the teams that they're they're missing out. Yeah, yeah, it it does. And as I've said
1: before, if your best players cannot play in these series, you're not going to win. No. It's Just in this period, you're just not going to win. Injuries suck, but uh, sometimes you know what you have to will yourself to try to try to do what you can. Yeah. If you want to continue to go for
0: Yeah. So reminder, uh, 76ers Celtics game 430 tip off here in the Pacific region. Um, and then the second game tonight, Suns Nuggets tip off about seven uh, games tomorrow. Game two, Heat and Knicks 430 tip off uh, late game. Lakers Warriors game one. Um, we tried to meet up the other day at this great bar i've mentioned it a couple times it's called court side first time we've had a no just designated basketball bar no other sports ever shown on any of their screens except basketball basketball memorabilia in there 99.9% of the people in there just hoop fans Uh, we were supposed to meet up and, uh, I sat there and looked at the door about 150 times thinking you were coming, walking through. I had my phone, um, die and I couldn't charge it up. You didn't receive my text about when we were supposed to meet and, um, you never came. Uh, we got to do it now. Uh, we've got to make a plan. I think Thursday might be the day we're supposed to meet for lunch Thursday. And uh, maybe we get an opportunity to go and see uh, Thursday will be game two between Lakers warriors. Uh, It's a six o'clock tip off. So maybe uh, that's when we meet, but man, that was, that was just brutal that night. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, Jason bailed on me. Why would he bail on me? Crap? What the hell happened? And and you were like, Oh, that's weird. Darren didn't tell me where where we're meeting and he won't (laughs) respond. This is strange. It was one of those, weird situations that doesn't really happen anymore because we all have cell phones, mm-hmm. but when yeah. you don't have a cell phone, it's just, uh, you're not in communication with the outside world. Really?
1: <laughs> yeah, no.
0: And, and the funny thing
1: is for me, my, my thought process was clearly something came up. Clearly something happened to this guy because texting, 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 <laughs> it's like, nothing's happening. So I'm like, all right, these things happen. You know, like so, something can happen. And I don't know what it was. And I was just like, right, I just hope the dude's okay. We'll <laughs> yeah. Talk to him later, uh, later. Later point, but I do love your your idea of going and watching the game after we meet up with our friends on Thursday. I think that's great. And plus, on top of that, we're going to be very close to the spot, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it might be just perfect. Yeah, I think it'll yeah. um, it should work out. Uh, it's unfortunate there's only the one game that day. It's nice when there's um, you know two games back to back. The the night I was there was uh two games early two games late and it was it was amazing an um, incredible atmosphere one of the owners said it was the best that entire bar has ever had since they opened uh he the only um, game that he compared it to was Le- when lebron set the all-time scoring record passing will chamberlain wow. earlier in the year he said that was just electric and dynamic and there are a lot of lakers fans in the city all across the world really but There are a lot of Lakers fans in the city and I saw them quite a bit uh, the last few times I've been there. So um, it'll be, it might be just, you know, 50, 50 Lakers and Warriors fans uh, in there. So, you know, we could be involved in some uh, heated uh, discussions with people, but uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, it will be fun.
1: And also too, I just, I did want to just point to uh, the Lakers closing out the Grizzlies. All right. Dylan Brooks saying, I don't respect anybody that doesn't give me 40. Pu- okay. So I just want, I, I did need to say this. Dylan Brooks does not represent all of us Canadians. All right. Number one, first off and foremost, yeah. he do, does good not point. Very good because point. we are smarter. Or at least I would love to think, no, no, no. We are smarter than that. Yeah. We don't, I, we don't pull on Superman's cape and say, Hey, Hey buddy. Why? Why aren't you doing anything? They're old. Talking about He's, he scored the most points ever, yeah. ever yeah. in the history of the game. And you yeah. want to you want to talk some junk to that guy? You want to talk noise to that guy? You want to be in this dude's face when actually what you should be is like I've always respected you, LeBron. I love your game. Let's have a good series. Yeah, right. And then yeah, keep your mouth shut for the entirety of the series. Yeah, that's how you do it.
0: All right, He definitely did give Canadians a bad name and I'm glad you pointed that out. He does not represent our country and uh, how how brilliant and smart we typically are. Uh this is uh, an outlier. Uh yeah. one of those guys we might just toss down south and say, "Yeah, you're not welcome back." Uh he was it was really stupid. Um he wouldn't even meet with the media yeah. after the games as well those last two losses and uh, the NBA announced today that they fined him 25,000 for not meeting with the media to face the music. Uh, he opened his big yap and said a lot of really stupid things. And then he wouldn't back it up after he he couldn't deliver. And um, this is a guy that his shot's terrible too. Like every single time he jacked up a shot, I thought, why are you shooting? Like, <laughs> they should be just like putting rules on him you do not shoot until you learn how to shoot he is one horrifically bad shooter and um, yeah he really screwed up and messed up this Grizzlies franchise that is a dynamic team you know like the the Kings and you know I can see them emerging uh, John Morant's got to smarten up and get a lot smarter too and uh, this team uh, you know really Made did a lot did a lot of dumb things made a lot of bad decisions this year, none worse than Dylan Brooks tugging on Superman's cape and okay. and uh, yeah making this horrifically stupid move. Uh, there was a lot of other guys he could have picked on, not LeBron, not not LeBron, man. And also too, like you
1: said, all these things, so own up to it own instead up. of acting like a coward and yes. hiding away from like your responsibilities of what you said. Yeah. Don't do that. Like if you want to talk, talk all you want. But also to be accountable for what you said. Yeah. Right? yeah so no, that, that's all I gotta say. And I, I love the fact that LeBron didn't wasn't even going to give Dylan Brooks any attention whatsoever. He's like, because I remember there was a post conference, they asked about Dylan Brooks. He goes, Yeah, I'm not talking about that. Move on. Because I, yeah. I mean, and absolutely you should. You wanna right. know why? Because I'm LeBron James, I don't care about him.
0: Yeah, right. It
1: doesn't affect me.
0: I hear ever. you. Yeah, yeah it was it was great smart of lebron uh he is he's not only great but he's also smart uses his yeah. brains unlike dylan brooks and uh yeah good to see good to see uh guys like that yeah get, get what was coming to them. and uh see you later go golfing we'll see you next yeah. year uh yeah on and, on and on and off um okay i definitely want to talk about the usc they had a pretty good card this past Saturday. Great. Uh, But I do want to mention um, the NFL draft uh, went off pretty, pretty great. Um, Lots of big moves and big trades uh, happened there. And uh, one thing that I noticed was um, because of the way NCAA sports has changed, uh, these guys don't have to be so restrictive with, Oh, getting some sponsorship money, getting some money up front. I could not believe the amount of massive chains around all the guys' necks, all the bling, all the crazy, crazy, crazy amount of money they're displaying as they're leaving their seat, going up to meet Roger Goodell, getting a hug, and then uh, you know standing there getting some pictures taken. I've never seen bling like this. It was outrageous. It was crazy, and it was super, super noticeable to me. Uh, that these guys got more money than the uh, previous guys have over the lifetime of the NFL draft and these guys coming in? Yeah, because usually you don't see the bling already, right? Because
1: they're just coming in. Usually what you do see is like a nice suit or a custom made suit, and you're just like, oh, okay, that looks pretty cool. But nowadays it's like, well, the NFL's not poor. No. And that's what it tells me. It's like that the NFL's doing really well. It's doing so well. That the guys coming in,
0: we already got money. We <laughs> <Yeah, all right. laughs> got yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. other thing, the other thing that I, I found was great, and it's and it's hopefully a very big trend to come. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, three out of the first four picks were black quarterbacks, and the white quarterback that was supposed to go first round got kicked all the way down to the third round because he was an idiot. He yep. you know we'll talked like a jerk and you know told everybody that he was the greatest thing in the history of football, and uh, they said, no, no, hang on, buddy. Uh, see you later. We've had Johnny Manziel, we've had <laughs> Ryan Leaf, we've had Baker Mayfield, we've oh, had goodness. a lot of you guys, and uh, no, sorry, but uh, get out of the back of the line and uh, to see these these teams stepping up using such massive draft capital. These, you know, top five picks really can change the whole trajectory of your franchise. If you make the right decision, if you make the wrong decision, look out. Uh, tough times are ahead. Uh, three out of the four top picks were black quarterbacks. And I was just so happy to see this. Um, the NFL has been... Really racist for way, way, way too many years in so many areas. And this, I think, was a very big breath of fresh air.
1: Crowning achievement. It's a crowning achievement. And also, too, knowing that, like, if you're in the top five, definitely the top ten of that draft, you're getting paid. You're getting oh, yeah. paid quite well. And you're getting paid handsomely right away. That's great, And I I, I think it also told people there's something to be said about being humble. About being humble, but yet hungry, and sure. knowing what you bring to the table, right? Yeah. Will Levin definitely did not learn that 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 lesson. No, because he, he saw it, if I'm just thrash and braggadocious, and I'm just full of myself, they'll love that, right? Oh wait, no, they don't. They they hated that actually. They yeah. they absolutely hated that part of LB. So I, I I was I was so happy to see that happen, and to see that that you know franchises are just like this. Our way of thinking is completely changed. These guys are good. They're going to get your shot, right? And that's the way it should be. That's absolutely the way it should be.
0: Yeah. And uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, being such a raw project, uh, just great to see somebody step up and say, you know, hey, uh, we can see this incredible athleticism. We can see so much upside and we're going to work with him and, you know, be able to develop him. Uh, the way we we know we'll have success in, and um, you know, he didn't have to put in another two, three, four years to develop there. They can develop him in house, yeah. teach him the NFL game, and you know, eventually have a a really dynamic quarterback that uh, will be with this franchise for you know decades probably. And um, yeah, it it was uh, great to watch the draft. Uh, I, I see a lot of. Uh, things changing and uh pretty cool the Kansas City got to host it. Uh, Kansas City had the Super Bowl victory again this year uh, just had a UFC event there a couple weeks back and uh, they showed out in full force again great to great to see an outdoor event like that with a covered you know covered tent in the front but outdoor event uh looked like you know, hundred thousand people were there. Uh, so many very very passionate fan groups were all over and um it was it's incredible how highly watched the NFL draft is and how big it is and and i i find it so touching that it it's changing people's lives right in, in front of us immediately these guys are realizing lifelong dreams their whole entire friends and family are surrounding them and uh, the hugs, the tears, the just absolute joy. It, it's it's pretty special, and uh, I'm glad it's become such a huge thing to watch on TV.
1: Yeah, and it, it it's special because all the sacrifice, the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears, but not just like the players' hard work, the people that supported them throughout all that time. Yeah. That's also their blood, sweat, and tears as well. Yeah. Especially their parents or whoever raised yeah. them, their guardians. Whoever yeah. those people are, hey, they get to celebrate just as hard as they do because we were there for that journey. We helped out. We got him to where he needed to be because this was a dream of theirs. They made it. They yeah. made it. And now, now the only thing that they have to actually focus on is get better. Yeah. All work.
0: I gotta do get better. Work. If I get better, work. I get paid more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put in the work. Put in the work. In Don't work. party. Um, actually, I did want to mention that um, James Harden has been receiving a lot of criticism because he went to <laughs> Vegas and was partying his brains out and uh, got involved in some kind of scuffle. Um, there's, he's, he's named in a police report and uh, lots of weird video. Uh, one of him seemingly be, seeming to be quite inebriated talking to uh, somebody with a camera and um, this was not a good look for a guy that, you know, is getting up in years and uh, should know better. And uh, just as, you know, they're about to emerge on a playoff run, he's in Vegas partying his brains out and getting involved in crap like this. Um, Another really poor example of a guy that's done a lot of things that uh, has made me shake my head over and a lot of people questioning his Decision making in his life,
1: or or his commitment to the team, because like pretty much what he's pulling. Maybe that makes sense now. That's why he wants to go to Houston because nobody cares about me if I'm on Houston. I do whatever I want. Maybe. Right. maybe. Or, or 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 he's trying to pull a Rodman, but you know what Rodman had? If you don't, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen. So I I don't know if you can just do that, James. I don't know if you can do that. Um, I, to me, it just. That just screams a commitment thing. Like it's like, dude, do you you want to do this or not? Like, you can go party
0: once this is all said and done. Yeah, yeah. Like like, wait another five weeks or two weeks or whatever. Three weeks, whatever it is. You got months and months and months to (laughs) let loose and go off. Like, come on, you know. Commit to your team. Try to you know win, and uh, then there's you know lots of days to have your fun. Yeah, there's just, there's there's a ton of time for that. There's like there's a ton of time
1: for that. But the fact that he just goes, no, nah, I gotta do it now. I gotta do it now. You know, like I'm, I'm just gonna do it now. So um, it, I question that. Yeah. And then also too, because of that commitment, that or that lack of commitment. Well, now I'm now I look at the Boston. I go, that's just another feather in their cap. They're going, well, not all your guys are committed. We sure are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can definitely <laughs> trash talk him on the court, <laughs> saying, uh, "Hey, way to be committed to your team, there, buddy." You've <laughs> got nothing to say back. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was weak, and 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 just, you know, I, I've questioned him many times over the years. Him and Kyrie and Katie, a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, so much talent so much to offer their teams but uh decision making uh things that they've done off the court and stuff it's just so it's so frustrating cuz you know if we were given these opportunities i think we would work so 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 hard at it and not you know screw up but um yeah it's just constant it's just constantly with some of these guys
1: yeah yeah we we might hopefully i would like to think that maybe we would or we would be complete train wrecks, and you'd hear about us every other day. And the organization would be like, okay, man, I think we I think we got trained. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe, yeah. It depends, I guess, what time or, you know, how young we were. I think, be, you know, it would have hit us at a certain age. Yeah, maybe. we would have been train wrecks, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some... Yeah, there's some wisdom maybe uh now that we have that we didn't have back then, so.
1: Yeah. And especially if you, you know, you you grow up within this realm, right, of superstardom, Eventually you should probably come to the realization of okay, I'm in the playoffs, so I'm just going to focus on, you know, basketball. Yeah, right. That's all
0: I'm going to do. Makes sense <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know you don't follow hockey very well, but uh, wow, what a weekend of playoffs. We had uh, some exciting, exciting games on Saturday. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, ended up making the second round, first time in 19 years. Uh, (coughs) They just could not get over that hump. And they were really great this season and finally dispatching the lightning. That was massive in overtime. And then uh, immediately after, the Oilers faced the Kings in game six as well and were able to knock them down and win that game. And uh, now uh, Toronto and Edmonton are the two favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, That is the first time we've seen that in a long time. It has been 30 years this year – Since a Canadian team has been able to hoist the Stanley Cup and uh, parade it in front of their fans the next few days after. Uh, It just got a whole lot easier yesterday when the Boston Bruins got upset by the Florida Panthers. It's considered the second biggest upset in NHL playoff history. 43 points separated the two teams uh, in the regular season. And Boston actually had the most successful regular season in NHL history with 65 wins. They were just so far and above, way better than any other team in the league. And they get knocked off by Florida. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, their leader, said, nobody on the planet gave us a chance to win this playoffs. And we just worked and made it happen. And it was So massive an upset. It was incredible. So good to see. And the second game last night, the Seattle Kraken, in only their second year in existence, knocked off the defending champion Colorado Avalanche to send shockwaves through the hockey world and give so many teams a shot at winning the Cup and really making it seem like it's it's a good possibility that we could see Toronto facing Edmonton in the Stanley cup final, ensuring a Canadian victory parade, ensuring a Canadian cup, finally coming back up North of the border. It's been so long and so tough to deal with that. We've had this drought, but uh, stars are aligning and wow, incredible games, incredible upsets. And uh, it, it, it could happen. It could actually happen. We get to see a Stanley Cup back up here again.
1: No, it, it it looks like it could definitely happen. And the fact that because of those massive upsets, it's kind of wide open for any, it's, it's open for the taking for any team right now that's still left yeah. in the playoffs and hockey, yeah. which is awesome to see. And, but it's even better the fact that, you know, we have two Canadian teams still in the hunt, in the hunt yeah. so to speak. And the yeah. fact that Toronto actually got to the second round oh my god the maple Leafs actually got there it only took 19 years it might take another 19 years sorry sorry about that but hey you're there now and that's awesome way to yeah. go uh
0: as you know i live close to the regal beagle and it is our designated toronto bar in the city uh the roof blew off the place on saturday when john tavares their captain scored the uh uh, series clinching victory in overtime, and uh, the place will be off the hook now that they finally made the second round. Uh, I talked to uh, some people there, and I, I won't name names, but one of them is just like, I kind of like when the Leafs sort of lose because it gets too crazy and chaotic. <laughs> you know, after seven games, it's like, oh, I need a break, but uh, <laughs> they won't get a break. Uh, this Leafs team has an opportunity they're going in they're playing the uh they're playing the Panthers so uh we'll see i know that the leafs um were worried about playing boston uh it kind of would have been good for leafs nation if they got the team this year to finally exercise those demons and knock off boston but in you know in all true sense florida is a better matchup and should be easier to advance farther uh than boston but uh, they just knocked off the giants just like Miami knocked off Milwaukee A- 8 against 1 this was an 8-1 matchup like that and uh incredible huge massive upset and but it'll be great uh, tomorrow game 1 Panthers Leafs uh go to the Regal Beagle it, you'll you'll love it there got to show up super early and don't wear Panthers gear you'd be in very big uh-huh. trouble Uh, And then Kraken play the Stars also tomorrow, the late game. So, um, yeah, it's going to be some dynamic series coming. Oilers end up playing the Vegas Golden Knights now in the second round. And uh, that game is on Wednesday. Time still to to be determined. Um, Game seven tonight in the NHL. uh, Rangers and Devils. uh, The Battle of New York. Always incredible. Lots of incredible games in this series. And uh, we'll see who emerges there. Uh, And then the uh, second round matchups will all be figured out. But, wow, what a weekend in hockey. I got texts from a lot of people and they, everybody was just like, can you believe what I just saw, what we just witnessed? Uh, The crowds outside of Maple Leaf Square, outside of the Rogers Center there, Maple Leaf Square, and in Edmonton, holy cow, they're just getting so big, so massive. They're getting so rowdy and fun. Uh, it's got to be fun to be in Toronto and Edmonton right now. Uh, the, the These Canadian cities, when your team goes on a run like this, it just becomes unbelievable, sweeps up everybody. I get goosebumps thinking about it. I see so many more people wearing jerseys and having flags on their cars and having – just signs to the you know to the team and and it's uh it's incredible in canada when your team goes on a on a stanley cup run it's 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 you know something that you just can't even believe
1: well yeah because the city is just energized you can feel the energy in the city because everybody's pulling for the team everybody everybody's pulling for them Everybody wants to see them win and and then if you're again Sorry, Leafs fan. If you're like a Leafs fan, you've just been starved for so long, right? Like all you've seen is like a desert and it's sand, no water forever. <laughs> and then finally, you're just like, wait, is that an oasis? No way. I ain't seen an oasis in 20 years. Is that, is that, is that, oh, come on, man. Is that, that's real, right? <laughs> and so, yes, they, they should be excited. You should be excited. And you should be pulling for your team because who knows when this happens again? So, and and then going to the Oilers side of things, you eventually that team was going to have to be good if you keep getting top draft picks for like years upon years upon years upon years on end. Like eventually, something positive had to happen to the Oilers. Yeah, this is. This is the culmination. Yeah, they've, of them.
0: they've they've suffered a lot. And uh, you know, they've got the two top scorers in the NHL, you know, two of the most dynamic players. Uh, and they've just, you know, haven't quite got there last year coming up against Colorado, and Colorado being that dynamic and been able to knock them off. But uh yeah, like fingers crossed, it would be just so incredible if it was Toronto against Edmonton and uh you know just it would electrify not only those two cities but in canada across the nations and it'll it, it's going to be fun to watch uh you know it's it's great uh really needs to be that drought needs to be over and uh, these two teams really have the horses to pull it off and it, it's going to be fun to watch uh, i'm i'm excited for the second round and i've got friends that have been to um former colleagues and friends that have been to both places and they're texting me little video clips and, and, you know, uh, lots of stuff. That's just been like, how this is, this is what it's all about. And this is so great that I'm able to be here and I, I feel happy for them. And I, I wish I could just jump on a plane and fly back and forth to a lot of these series, like I used to, it would be uh yeah very, very fun. And I love, I, I love white street in Edmonton when it goes off, um, the area, downtown toronto when uh when either the leafs or the Raptors do great uh it's just it's just so fun and it really makes you be proud of your city be proud of your team and and really happy that you're in that midst while they're having that success
1: oh yeah yeah you, you're you're just ecstatic you're, you're just so overjoyed that you're, you're still in the hunt you still got a chance you're winning everybody everybody's on board and oh. And, and like yeah, you just feel that, that that electricity that runs through the city, as you're going through this epic run, and then you're hoping that it can be sustained all the way to the end.
0: Yeah, Canucks aren't my favorite team, but I have cheered for them, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for fifty freaking years, and uh, I I uh, I just I just ah I just hate that organization. Uh, Seattle comes in in their second year make the playoffs and go to the second round. Uh Canucks can't figure it out over the past 10 years. Uh this is it's just it's another real knife in the heart that Seattle could come in and and already be great, much greater than the Canucks. And we've had this many years to figure it out and we can't still it's just like I'm I just honestly feel like never giving them another minute of my time because it's just unbelievable that they can be this bad. And other teams are showing them examples of, hey, hey, what do you mean? This is easy. We can do this. We can't make the playoffs. Why? We did two years? out. Oh, easy enough. Yeah. It's frustrating. Very frustrating.
1: Uh, yeah, of course. Because I, I think for the Canucks, what they lack the most is direction. And like, it just doesn't seem like they have proper direction. The ownership doesn't know exactly what they want to do. They're just not solidified. In, or They're not unified in thought about where the team should be, what the team needs, all of those things. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Hockey to bed now. Game seven tonight. Enjoy it. Uh, let's talk about the UFC. They had a card at the UFC Apex. Uh, a fight that was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago got postponed, became the main event. Uh, we had uh, Ricky Simone and Song Yadong. Uh, This was the number eight fighter in the Bantamweight division against the number 10 fighter in the Bantamweight division. Uh, Simone came in on a five-fight win streak, second most takedowns in the division's history, had a two-inch reach advantage, had um, a lot of things going for him that seemed like this was going to be a a really incredibly super tight fight. It really was not. Uh, Song Yedong at 25 years old is the new up and coming prospect that you better keep your eyes on this guy is incredibly athletic incredibly fit and incredible pace and uh, is just superior to Simone this night for sure and got the really really big victory avenging his coach's defeat over Ricky's uh, defeat at the hands of Ricky Simone years ago and uh this is the new face of Alpha Male, and uh a big, big, big win in the main event.
1: Huge win. Um, for Song, uh, the keys to his victory was the fact that he was able to stuff stifle Simone's grappling. Simone couldn't get him to down to the mat. Like I thought his takedown defense was excellent. And when he did get him down to the mat, popped back up immediately. Immediately couldn't yeah. keep him down. And the fact that Song after he got Simone's timing, knew what he was capable of in the striking department, he wasn't afraid of what was coming back at him. No, because what seen. Simone was trying to do was always set up for the takedown, so he wasn't striking to hurt. He was striking to ta- to set up the takedown, where right. Song goes, oh, okay, so I don't have to worry about what's coming at me. I'm just gonna come forward and come at you. Sure. And that's what he did with his superior boxing. And eventually just kept whittling down Simone and whittling down Simone every round, get getting to him, kept hurting him. Yep. And then eventually in that fifth round, put him put him away with that left hook, dropped him, ground and pound finish. It was an excellent win by uh by Song. Very dominating win as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, no. It, first round was close, I thought, but after that, Song was um, you know, just so superior and um yeah, proved that He's the one on the on the rise up. Um, this is a, a division that's getting a lot of attention right now, the Bantamweights. Um, obviously, Aljamain Sterling next weekend. Uh, we're going to preview that in a sec. Facing off against Henry Cejudo for the belt. Uh, you've got great fighters. Uh, number one contender right now is Mirab Devashvili. Number two, Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanhagen, Peter Yawn, Marlon Vera. That's top five. And you go on. Rob Font, number six. Dominic Cruz, seven. Song, eight. Munoz, nine. And Simone, ten. I don't know if Song moves up the rankings. I don't know about that beating the number ten guy. But um, Dominic Cruz was at the fight, commentating on this fight. Maybe that's his next opponent. Um, Also has quite the history with him and Alpha Male and Uriah Faber and all that. Might be kind of a cool... Uh, person to see him up against Rob Font. I think that fight would be just absolutely amazing. They've got uh they pretty much have the exact same rec- record. Rob Font's 20 and 6. Uh Song is 20 and 7. Um uh, so pretty pretty great um numbers there. Uh he could go up even farther possibly Marlon Chido Vera. Uh you know at 5 that might be might be something we look at but um yeah, it uh was Super, super impressive, and I think Song just should look up the rankings now instead of taking a fight down the rankings. I think he should get a top five six guy.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think he asked for a top five six guy for sure. Yeah. And yeah, he if I'm Song, if I'm a part of this management, you're not taking anybody below you anymore. Only up. That that's, that's the only fights that he should be looking at. Only up because he's on his way. To getting himself a title shot, if he
0: keep can he, if he continues to keep winning, yeah, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that he did go down, uh, for this. So it it kind of um you know was good on him that he was able to um you know get the victory and and uh yeah didn't did not have to move down the rankings. But um, Simone, you know, as I said, on a five fight winning streak, looking super great coming in, uh, has fought a lot of really tough guys and. Um, but Song, uh, 25 years old, looking like incredible uh, Yeah, career trajectory, um, went into Alpha Male at uh, 18 years old, didn't speak English, moved his family all the way from China, uh, decided to, you know, settle in in Sacramento and um, has spent seven years getting to this point. And uh, and he's uh, I, I've never seen him look better. And I think that the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, and also, too, in the post-fight,
1: his English is actually coming along. He was yeah. able to say a couple words there, here and there, and I understood what he was saying. So that's pretty good.
0: That's, that's, good, that's, yeah. Really good. that's pretty good. good, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, he, he did get 50K for uh, performance of the night there. Uh, good on him. Nice. Uh, also, 50K was awarded to the winner of the co-main event, a middleweight clash between... Kai Barajo against Mikhail Oyechuk, um, however I say that name. Uh, uh, Kai is one of these Brazilians that's really dynamic, uh, has that uh, fluidity that we see with Capoeira type of guys with a lot of these Brazilians. Um, Crazy personality, uh, but he ended up, um, yeah, getting a a nice – uh, 50k bonus for a submission victory was able to um get a rear naked choke win, and uh, yeah, he's called the natural uh, four wins in the UFC on a meteoric rise as well. Yeah, and against the tough, tough fighter and
1: Ola elect- 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 Sajic, I
0: think. Okay, <laughs> he probably said it better than I did,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that guy's tough fighter, uh, but I thought that Burrell Ho, um He solidified it with uh, his cap kicks, trying to take away that lead leg of Oleg, Oleg Sajek's. And then finally, in the second round, definitely his grappling was superior to Oleg Sajek's. He was able to get him to the ground, to the mat, and keep him on the mat. And then once he sunk in that rear naked choke, tight, all she broke, done.
0: I think, uh, Mikel is super tough. Uh, he landed some really good shots and, uh, yeah, is, is really good. Uh, his, um, his takedown defense and on the ground work has always been his Achilles heel. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for Brejo, it was definitely, uh, you know, where he should take the fight. Once he did get the takedown, he um, got his back, got some Mount, uh, spun it around, got the um, body triangle, uh, got the rear naked ch- choke and forced the tap. Um, that is actually 11 wins in a row for him. He's on a 14-fight unbeaten streak. He has won no contest in there. Um, only four in the UFC, but uh, that puts him second for streaks in the middleweight division right behind Drikas Duplessis, who has five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls his double leg the best in the UFC, and he said, "Come, come tell me that I don't. Uh, he said he's part of the Fighting Nerds uh, MMA camp, don't know that one so I'm going to have to do some research on him and he called out Derek Brunson um, who was in the top 15 and uh, he said he called him out He Brunson said, uh, fight me if you get two more victories in a row and he said, I just got my second so let's go and uh, we'll see if Brunson fights down like that or not but um, that was his call out.
1: Ah, interesting call out because I know Brunson is—he's on the cusp of does he fight more? Or is he going to retire?
0: Retire, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, 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 if he comes back for Barilo, he should feel honored today if he does come back and fight yeah. this guy.
0: So, yeah. uh, okay, let's switch to the middleweight fight between Haldolfo Vieira and Cody Brundage. Uh, Cody Brundage has absolute power in his fists and can take anybody out with them. He had Rodolfo in trouble and a few occasions during this fight, knocked him down. Uh, but another guy that you don't want to go to the ground with a Brazilian specialty and BJJ was able to also, uh, get the takedown. He ended up getting a triangle choke and uh, forced a tap from Brundage, getting the victory. Uh, Brundage, uh, yeah, just was overmatched on the ground. Uh, Just couldn't finish that fight on the feet and uh, took the loss. Vieira got 50K as well for the big win. He was close. Brundage was close to finishing
1: this fight on his feet. He came out like a house on fire in the first round and just tried to starch him and almost got it done. I give Vieira a lot of credit. He weathered the storm. He survived that first round because that's exactly how he what he had to do. He had to survive that first round. And then the second round, he took it to where he's best, took him down to the ground, and then Brundage was in all sorts of trouble once he got down there. He was just like, uh-oh, this is not going to go well for me. And when he sunk in that arm triangle choke, Brundage actually spun away and was out of it, but he had to give up his back. But yeah. then he did the wrong thing, and he spun back into the arm triangle choke yeah. and then got choked out. So. Yeah, good win by Vieira.
0: Yeah, very good win by Vieira. That's uh, eight submission victories for him out of nine wins. Uh, Eight submissions, one KO, all finishes for Vieira. That was his first win in two years, though. He's had all sorts of injuries. All sorts of fights got canceled. He said uh, it was a tough two years not having a victory in the octagon, but um, he was excited. He is a physical specimen, and you do not want to grapple with him he is incredible on the on the ground and uh i do like when it's striker grappler i don't love it when the grappler wins but uh you know i like the striker versus grappler and this was styles make fights uh you know this was a perfect matchup um unfortunately quite often uh if the you know if that if that striker goes to the ground He's yeah. usually done, and that was the case in this one for sure. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was definitely the case because it, it's just it's not where their strength lies, yep. and, and and unfortunately for Brundage, he got very close to taking Vieira out in the first round, but it didn't happen for him, and then that was his downfall.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, we had Julian Juicy J Arosa fighting a brand new guy in the UFC, making his UFC debut, Fernando Padilla. Uh, padilla is out of Mexico Arosa is our guy from uh, Yakima Washington originally just south of the border here uh Arosa has um the third most appearances in the featherweight division at 40. this was his 40th fight um Darren Elkins right behind him at 38. we had we have a, a couple of incredible guys that um this this is a guy that has massive, massive experience. A guy that's making his UFC debut. Uh, another kind of cool matchup that the matchmakers put together. And uh, Arosa didn't last long. Padilla was just incredible with his accuracy. Combos that were just just constantly pushing Arosa back. Uh, obviously, early stoppage. But um, I didn't see it any different outcome if this lasts long i'm usually never happy with a stoppage that ends too early but jesus like the accuracy with padilla uh there was nothing that arosa was going to be able to do to uh, maintain his ability to continue this fight
1: yeah i i actually had that written down was it too quick a stoppage and the only thing i could think of was padilla was just going to hurt arosa more and then it would just have just been a legitimate stoppage. Right. That, that yeah. was that was literally the only difference. Like, yeah. Arosa was not going to win that fight at that point in time. Yeah. He got stunned. He got dropped. Um, and I was impressed with the way that Padilla, his hands were fantastic. Jesus. And as you said, his accuracy absolutely. with his punches were absolutely dead on. Pinpoint I, accuracy.
0: I think it was like 15 shots, and I think he missed one out of those 15. And it was from one side of the cage to the other. The guy had a flash, knocked down, got back up, knocked him down again. And, you know, the the referee came jumping in there, Chris Tayoni, And, um, you know, Arosa immediately protested. But the writing was on the wall. Uh, you know, he had been rocked on three or four occasions already in the last 10, 15 seconds and uh you know when he dropped i i as a referee would have stopped that um yeah. but uh you know it was early because he's up again and looking like he can go uh but yeah it's it's unfortunate for him that um it was stopped but i don't see a different outcome uh great to see padilla come in on his uc debut and have such an impressive performance and uh Stop a tough guy that's been around for a long, long time. One of those, um, you know, OGS of uh, of the division.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely impressive. Uh, definitely an impressive win for his first fight in the UFC. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing big things from Padilla. Like he showed a lot of skill there, and he took out a very tough guy in Rosa very quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't want to say much about this heavyweight fight between uh, Marcos uh, Rogério De Lima and. Waldo Cortez Acosta um two fat guys that uh, got tired and gassed out and uh you know got a decision I don't like seeing fat guys fight uh, <laughs> when they get gassed out um uh I think um we should consider having shorter rounds for heavyweights Maybe <laughs> make them uh two minute rounds and make make them about six or seven rounds uh you know they need their recovery time and after five minutes one minute isn't enough. And yeah. uh, if they don't get him out of there early, it's it's not good. Uh, I guess the only thing I can really mention is Rogério De Lima's calf kicks are De- devastating, unbelievably devastating, and he's gonna have a lot of success if he can, can continue delivering them to his opponents. The uh, Costa man, it's tough. He's he's not gonna be walking properly for days after that one no he's not but for
1: Cortez Acosta'll t- I'll give him this he hung in there and I I believe he won that third round yeah sure. I, like I I would give him that third round because he was popping his jab and he was he was beginning to get to the Lima Cortez Acosta is a hard man to get out because anybody else gets those kind of leg kicks from the Lima I I think it's said and done in the second round yeah like honestly like the, those were devastating devastating leg kicks yeah. and i i i just i give cortez acosta a lot of credit for surviving and getting to the end of that fight because like you said i'm sure the next day he wasn't walking he wasn't no. walking at all
0: yeah so. took his first loss uh salsa boy uh will be back uh he's got to figure out how to check those kicks and um yeah definitely uh doesn't want to face the lima for a while he uh yeah took some serious abuse to that that front leg and uh holy crap um those were brutal uh the fight that kicked off the main card was uh Josh Quinlan against Trey Waters uh Dana White contender series alums both of them um i i really enjoyed this fight i, I really thought um, there was a, a lot of um, yeah, very good skilled guys, uh, but definitely I thought that uh, Waters deserved the decision victory that he got. Um, yeah, good good performance all around by by Trey Waters.
1: Yeah, I I thought that Waters was definitely in control of this fight because Quinlan was constantly trying to figure out how to get within reach so he could get his strikes off, yeah. and Waters. Had great distance management throughout the entirety of this fight. Kept him at the end of his punches, yeah. and uh, and that's what helped helped him get the win on this because Quinlan was always worried about what was firing back. And one of uh, Water's best uh, moves that he had was the was the step back or fade counter right, and he landed it every freaking time. Yeah, to the point that that's why Quinlan was hesitant about trying to get in there and really muck it up because he knew he was going to get. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get tagged with a big shot.
0: He He's the tallest uh, welterweight on the roster now. This was his USC debut coming in. Um, he's the tallest guy on the roster. Six foot five at this uh, weight class, 170. Uh, it's going to be tough for most guys uh, to be able to come in. If he utilizes that jab and that ability to move out of range, uh, it's going to be hard to, to, to beat this guy um that, that is very unheard of being uh having a guy that tall at this weight
1: oh yeah no it's 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 supremely unheard of because first off you have to make that weight at that height yeah it's it's odd and uh the fact that then now you have to deal with his reach advantage makes it really
0: really hard <laughs> yeah it's crazy uh it, he's uh yeah i think he's in for a very good future uh his nickname is the truth and uh uh, we know you know, some other athletes that got the nickname, the truth, and they went far. Um, Trey, I always thought, think about basketball when I hear that. And I also just thought, Trey Bien, uh, you know, <laughs> using a French term. Um, yeah, very good USC debut. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight some others. Um, I hope they do put him up against somebody that's a little bit taller uh, that five inch uh, height advantage was just too crazy, and that's that's asking a lot out of a guy to uh have to try to wade into tough waters, uh, with that much reach. And-
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. especially when the guy's that good at countering you. Yeah. Like, he's he was excellent at countering Quinlan whenever he made him pay every time he came, yeah. every time
0: Quinlan was favored, uh, undefeated going in, uh, Hawaiian, super tough, uh, love his nickname. Uh, thirty years old, BJJ black belt, and um, yeah, a guy that's uh, you know, really good. Uh, it's just impressive to see a new guy coming out of the t- t- contender series that um, looks already uh very legit.
1: No, oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely legit. And it was a great fight, great fight between both men, but definitely Waters had had the edge in this fight.
0: Uh, another fat guy matchup on the uh, prelim feature fight, uh, Martin Budai and Jake Collier. Um, these two guys, uh, you know, pretty skilled, but also, you know, getting very, very tired, very early and a lot of just grabbing onto each other. And, um, you know, I, a lot of times just get a little bored when heavyweights can't finish a guy early. It becomes, not that fun to watch in the, the later rounds. Uh, Budai was better, and got the decision win, and deserved it. 29-28, two rounds to one, unanimous decision.
1: Yeah, um, I liked uh, the the work that Budai did with his knees. He, whenever he got in close with Clench, delivered some great knees, um, got the takedown in the third round, had some good good ground and pound. But like you said, when those guys, when them big boys got tired, they kind of just laid on each other or just laid up against the fence and, you know, did, yeah. did what they could. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, He's one of only two Slovakians in the UFC haven't had a lot come out of that country, but uh, I look forward to more of them. Uh, he is talented, has a lot to offer, 12-1 uh, and one record now, and, um, yeah, uh, he just needs to get some, you know, a little more finishes, and uh, I'll be more excited to see him on the next card uh okay what about um the fight between cody durden and charles johnson another decision flyweight i was pretty look i was looking forward to this fight because i thought um you know lots of speed lots of uh you know takedowns that will be reversed and a lot of that kind of stuff didn't turn out as as great as i thought but uh what did you think of it
1: um I just thought that Durden just took control of Johnson for the first two rounds. He was like an anaconda and just just hung on him, yeah. put his weight on him, leaned on him, and got his back. And like, like so many times throughout the course of this fight that I was surprised at how easily he always was attached to the man's back.
0: Yeah. Always
1: got Johnson's back. Um, it was it was a great win by lots him of,
0: lots of standing backpacks with the body yeah. triangle and you know I was like oh, oh, what am I going to do now and yeah it just seemed yeah. to happen over and over 10 takedowns open. I think he had something like that uh, yeah he was he was dominant in that department
1: no no he was super dominant great win by him and also too I was more impressed with the fact that he was able to keep that pace and he has a great gas tank man because fighting that way takes up a huge amount of energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he uh, fights out at ATT. Uh, great camp there on a three-fight win streak. Uh, asked for a ranked opponent. Uh, yeah, it was 30-27 unanimous decision. Uh, really good takedowns. And then great work once he had that takedown. Constantly getting the back, becoming a backpack, or threatening uh, chokes and stuff yeah he was he was dominant and uh deserved the big victory um okay uh this fight here women bantamweight fight uh, cheating russian uh, i don't really know oh. if i want to give her any uh props uh I, I i i think she's um she she she's on steroids she doesn't make weight she she's 4 pounds overweight 4 pounds that was bad that was bad that's that's not fair when they're only uh, co- supposed to come in at 135. She comes in at 140. That's not even trying. So she not only cheats with doing steroids, but she also cheats being that much overweight. Uh, come on. That's that's absolutely a joke. She only lost 30%, but uh, ends up getting the win. And uh, I, yeah, uh, that's, that's enough for me. I don't want to talk anymore about this, but this girl.
1: Okay, all right. So then I'll take over. Um, So I will say this. I was impressed with when Egger had her back and Alexova used her sample background to roll into uh, a potential knee bar that she did finish. But she actually finished the knee bar within the transition of her locking out the leg. I have no idea what kind of injury Egger suffered, but I'm pretty sure she suffered something. Something tore. I, like, I think she she hurt her knee pretty badly after that because as soon, like I think she was tapping even before the, the leg was fully extended. So I think something gave right away. And that was during the transition of completing the knee bar. So I, I, I hats off to uh That was a great move that she had. And I think it caught Edgar completely off guard. Great win. Great win. But, and I hope that Edgar can – Get over that injury of whatever she suffered on her knee because I'm pretty sure she did definitely suffer an injury.
0: Yeah. That happened. Yeah, she should have not taken this fight. Uh the girl didn't show up ready to fight. Uh, you know, she should have just not taken this fight. Um, uh, her knee popped really badly, and yeah. uh she's gonna have a long recovery time. I, I feel really sorry for her. And um, you know, I I'm I'm going to start petitioning for all Russians to be banned in all athletic competitions. I don't want to see Russians anymore. Get the fuck out of Ukraine. Quit <laughs> fucking the world over. Quit sending your athletes trying to say that you're great and superior. You got your cheaters. You're a bunch of assholes. You send another girl here. She can't make weight. She's cheating. She doesn't deserve to be shown in front of our faces and cut it out. Be goodbye, Russia, until you start treating the world better. We don't want to see you, not happy about this. I'm really pissed off that she just uh severely hurt Stephanie Jaeger, maybe career threatening. This is a, a brutal injury to have to overcome. So, you know what? Going back to like to
1: like being overweight and taking these fights, right? I have no idea like what goes on behind the scenes. But this is what I'm thinking what most of these athletes should do, and especially if it's egregious like this, where it's a, uh, they're four or five pounds overweight. I'll take the fight if you double my pay. Yeah, I think that that should be a real conversation because I know that UFC likes to put pressure, especially on not developed talent yet or not like solidified within the fact that it's like I've been here for a while, I'm a vet or whatever. And I think they like to put pressure on these young guys and 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 ladies as well. I think for going forward for some of these guys, should be like, you know what? Either you pay me more to take this fight that because obviously. My opponent didn't take it seriously. I did. So pay me more. I'll take the fight or else, you know what? I'll wait for my opportunity going forward. Because I think they still get paid uh, like their show if if it doesn't happen like that. Right. Yeah. I think they
0: still get paid. Most times they take care of them like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, (laughs) yeah. Anyway. Yeah. F F Russia. Do not send your athletes anymore. We don't want to see them. Uh, I'll be a much happier guy. Uh, and I won't have to disparage your country cause I won't see you guys and we don't deserve to see you right now. So, uh, okay. One more 50 K bonus on this card. This was USC debut by Marcus McGee, finally getting an opportunity to come into the biggest promotion on the planet. 32 years old and got his, uh, USC debut comes out of the MMA lab and, uh, works really close with sugar. Sean O'Malley, one of his best buddies. Uh, we saw tons of tweets from Sean throughout the fight and uh was able to get a big victory here uh came in on only three days notice and yeah. so um the weight was just 140 they didn't uh they didn't make them this is fine to come in at 140 oh, yeah, of course. when it's you know that little short of notice not when you're given a full camp and come in yourself and uh that end up being that way five pounds over but um, great victory by Marcus McGee way to go changes his life, uh, just became a full-time fighter this past year, had a full-time job until a year ago, finally was able to put that job aside and take on MMA 100% seriously. And, uh, yeah, good on him, getting a big win in the UFC.
1: Uh, especially with the fact that he had days' notice. And also, too, when you have that short of notice, yeah, you're allowed to have a catch-win. Yeah. yeah, or else the fight doesn't happen. So I got no problem with that. I was super impressed with that McGee was still in that great shape to do that to, to a tough guy at Newsom. And the thing that really I, I thought separated these guys was that McGee had, has explosive power. He would explode into his combinations, and his kicks and his punches. And I thought that was definitely a very telling thing between these two fighters. And then when he dropped him with, I believe, a left, got Newsom down to the ground and then sucked in that rear naked choke. Great win. Great win by McGee, uh, especially for his debut in the UFC.
0: Nice. That was his first submission win of his career. So that was pretty surprising. Uh, He's on a a uh, three-fight win streak, uh, first in the UFC. Um, He's going to fight at bantamweight. He said that's his normal weight and and will. Um, I like this guy, Journey Newsom. Uh, I think, um, you know, He's uh yeah an up and comer but um great win by McGee and uh, good to see, uh the fight that kicked off the card uh it was cut off a little bit for yes. our broadcast um they showed uh just the tail end of this fight but um it was a Canadian girl from Squamish just up the road from here see to Sky Highway uh Jamie Lynn Horth gets her UFC debut stays unbeated at six and zero. Gets a big decision win. And, uh, yeah, great to see another Canadian getting an opportunity, especially a girl from right up the street from here. Yeah, no,
1: it was, it was fantastic to see. Fantastic to see that she got a win against a very game and tough cow and it was a closely contested match. But she got the win. She got it done.
0: Um, So she got a USC contract in her email inbox uh, just uh, just this past week, she said, I was wow. almost numb to it. I was just like, is this actually really happening or am I dreaming? Uh, she said she got emotional, uh, for days. She was just like, wow, all my hard work's finally paying off. I'm getting a chance. Um, then she was like, okay, now I just got to get to work. And she just went to the gym religiously every day, every day, just putting in tons and tons and tons of of work and um yeah uh she's had a really tough two-year stretch from what i understand a lot of delays to fights some injuries and some things that just happened uh she was initially scheduled to fight on the dana white contender series in 2020 um but she had some visa issues government issues couldn't go and then um the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Uh, So she turned to the LFA. Uh, She won the LFA title in December, 2021. And then um, she had a title defense of that um, LFA title. Uh, It got canceled last minute uh, due to her opponent injury. So then she was like, Oh now what else can go wrong? And uh, boom, all of a sudden out of the blue USC calls and says they want her on this card uh she wants to fight on the vancouver card in june so um we're only just a little over a month away from that let's hope we can see her locally uh when they come to town very soon
1: uh yeah hopefully they can uh sneak her in because i uh yeah she didn't take too much damage in that fight so yeah if she if she feels that she's good to go then get her in there yeah more canadian uh, uh talent that we get to see the better yeah, I can't wait for the card.
0: Uh speaking of that card, um, I have an issue. I want a little bone to pick here with our platform over the UFC. Um, the, the the ticket prices were outrageous and ridiculous. Uh I had some access to pre um on-sale tickets to the general public. Uh, the cheapest ticket was Uh, I believe eight hundred, and the most expensive was thirteen thousand. Then the next day, I logged on when everybody can. Uh, I logged on the minute that you were allowed to. I was two thousand and something in the queue. By the time I made it through that queue, uh, the all the cheapest tickets were gone. Cheap meaning three hundred was the cheapest. All of those were gone. Uh, the cheapest ticket was somewhere around 600 with taxes in and everything, and up to 15 grand. I knew that I wouldn't have very much buy in from my friends to buy four tickets at 600, 700, 800, a thousand. So I did not buy them. Um, I'm going no matter what, but I wanted to go with you. I wanted to go with Stefan. I wanted to go with, with, um, few others uh Scott and a few others have asked but i just knew that almost all of you would be like no i'm not going to pay that freaking much and so i wouldn't i would have got stuck with four tickets at that kind of outrageous prices a lot of the tickets haven't gone haven't sold yet and um I- i'm pretty disgusted that the ufc would wait it's been 4 years since it came back and they would just try to just decimate people paying that much money that's just outrageous and it's too much and it's and it's unfair it's not fair you you shouldn't charge this much money for t- tickets to a ufc event
1: yeah you know what i remember i think i don't know if it was the first or the second time dana white came out and said that it was ridiculous how much our our like the bc government was taxing the ufc or something like that to that effect and he said i don't know if we're going to be coming back here again i don't no idea how much they're doing that again? But it felt like because I I learned about these uh, ticket prices from another friend of mine who told me that, and I said, oh, that's cool. i guess I'm not going. Um, like he told me the ticket prices, and I'm wondering if whatever the UFC has to pay to come here and put on their event, if they're not just passing on that cost to like uh, the ticket the people buying tickets, they're just literally saying, okay, okay, that's how you want to play it. Cool. This is how much the tickets then cost. Now you get to pay that off for us because we're not, we don't want to do it. Right. Um, if the card was one of the best cards of the year, I could understand that pricing. But it is not. No. It isn't. So no, like you're asking normal folks to say, hey, man, you want to go see this thing? How much? Ah, it's average like $750, $800. Not a big deal. Not a bit. No, actually, it is a big deal. It works hard, man. It's yeah. a lot of money. It's just a lot of money to ask from yeah. normal folks. I'm not talking about, you know, your celebrities and stuff who don't care about that kind
0: of thing. I'm talking about normal people like yeah. you and me. I'm trying of- to take your kid. You know, you want to take oh. your kid, you know, teenage, a teenage family? kid. You want to, you know, be a, a cool dad and, you know, show him a live event uh and it's been four years you know if they didn't catch the last one maybe it's been six seven years and uh you know guys like i can't afford that no chance and um you know there's a lot of people that have been really wanting to see a live event and it's priced out of the range of most people and i think um the scalpers are going to take a bath i think the scalpers bought a shitload of the tickets and i think uh a lot of people gonna are going to be like Hey, man, it was already too expensive coming out of the box office. You want me to pay you money, too, to see this? Uh, it's going to be no, brutal you. and tough, and it ruined it for me. I was expecting that, you know, we'd be sitting about four of us together and enjoying ourselves. It and, and you go there to an event, that's not the only cost you have. you got cost no, of food and drinks, and drinks and getting there, uh, parking if you bring your car, all the stuff that goes into it. It's a massive, 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 costly night. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't expect any guy that has a family to be able to afford it. So we aren't going to see families there. We're going to just see rich elite people that probably don't even give a crap about the sport. Uh, you know, it's pretty disappointing. And it's, um, it's something that, uh, you know, I hope the UFC can address going forward. I'm glad they're coming back north of the border. And I want every province to experience live events because they're really great. But um, th- this, this costing is, is too much. And it's just, it's left a very, really, very sour taste in my mouth. I'm wondering for
1: like future events going forward for the UFC, if they come up here and it's a pay-per-view event, if they just go, nah, that's the cost. No, that's what you guys have to pay. Yeah. Cause like, if that's, if that's the case, I, can you please give us fight nights then? <laughs> if, if that's if that's how you want to play, I would rather just have it as a regular fight night. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if they'll ever do that. But that, that I would prefer that because if you want to charge that much for pay per views now going forward, whenever they come to Canada, forget it. Um, I, I think I'm going to be out because yeah. it's not like the ticket prices are going to go down. They're actually probably going to go up. Yeah, so.
0: Okay, uh, let's just touch real briefly on uh, this coming week's card. Um, we've got a battle between Aljamain Sterling, who has been really the the king of the castle in the bantamweight division for the last few years here. And he's fighting a guy that hasn't fought in a while. Uh, Triple C, Henry Cejudo coming in, being a former champ champ, but um, long layoff. And uh, coming in, immediately getting another title shot. Uh, what are we going to see in this main event uh, next weekend? I think we are going
1: to see these guys fight at every level. I am very interested to see who comes out on top within the grappling exchanges between these two men. That that, And I think that's exactly where the fight will be won and lost. Whoever comes out on top of these grappling exchanges, I think, that's where the fight is going to be won between these two. Um, Aljamain Sterling is probably going to try to maintain distance so he can get off his kicks. Henry Cejudo is probably one of the highest fight IQ guys. Period. Like, especially if you can talk to John Jones and tell him, "I think this is what's going to happen in the fight. And this is exactly how it's going to go, and this is how you're going to win." And then it actually happens. Yeah, pretty smart dude. He's pretty smart, dude. So yeah, I, very smart, dude. Yeah, I, I think he's going to try to crowd Aljamain as much as he can. Maybe do some dirty boxing, do stuff like that. Not give Aljamain the space to do throw his strikes because Aljamain would prefer to strike at distance. Uh, But again, I think it's the grappling that will tell the tale in this fight.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see Uh Henry Cejudo. You know, he's he's left the sport, retired, but. He's been training some of the top fighters in the yes. world and it's been impressive. He fights, or I mean he trains fighters from heavyweight all the way down to every weight division. Uh it's an impressive roster of guys that are utilizing him as their uh, main coach and training guy and it's um yeah, he hasn't left the game. Uh there will be some rust there I believe though. And oh. um I, you know, I'm I'm leaning towards Aljamain doing this and getting the victory, I think he's better at standing and just as comparable, uh, you know, possibly better on the ground because he's been in the wars and continually in the wars, uh, beat some very, very, very tough opponents over the past few years. And um, yeah, I I think he's more athletic, I believe, than than Cejudo. I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of... I think there's more ways... That Aljo can win, then Cejudo can win. So, um, okay. I think I think their grappling might be neck and neck, and uh, you know it, it might sort of trade off with each other. But this the striking advantage, the athleticism with Sterling, I think uh, tips the scales in his favor, and I think he um, retains the belt and will still be the champion. Um, the co-main event, uh, great fight between two super tough welterweights uh below remember the name muhammad against gilbert burns that's the number four against the number five guy in the division um styles make fights and i think this one's great great fight
1: it's a fantastic fight i think this is probably the best fight on the main card yeah i'm just going to say that right now and i think it's going to end up in a war these guys are going to go toe to toe and see who the best man is i i'm very much looking forward to this fight like you said styles make fights and this is stylistically one of the best matches i've seen in a long time this is going to be a good fight uh
0: also on the card we've got uh a women's strawweight bout uh number 4 jessica andraj against yan jonan um this is number yeah number 4 against number 6 uh no no sorry yan is number 8 um great yeah andraj you know super tough and uh one of those girls that's uh, very hard hard to beat uh because she's stocky and uh super super tough but um i think it should be a pretty good battle that should be a very good battle and i think uh andrage has learned from her last
1: uh fight where it was a defeat not to take her opponent lightly yeah and i don't think she'll be doing that with yan whatsoever yeah it's gonna be a good fight
0: very true yeah um bryce missile Mitchell was supposed to fight Jonathan Pierce. Uh that fight has been canceled. So he has been handed Movsar Evloev, uh, number 10 in the featherweight division. Mitchell is number eleven. Um, yeah, I, I feel a bit bad for Mitchell having to uh switch to such a tough opponent uh l- last minute like this. Um Evloev is very tough, and it's gonna be uh yeah, it's gonna be a heck of a battle. It's going to be a heck of a battle. It's going to be tough for
1: Mitchell because this is not who, this is not the opponent he trained for for his whole fight camp. So he's going to have to change on the fly, uh, it, and it's going to be a tough fight, period. It's going to be a very, very tough fight.
0: The fight that kicks off the main card is a really cool fight between Charles Air Jordan, Canadian. Love the guy. Has delivered a lot of impressive performances over his career uh, north of the border as well as in the UFC. Uh, he's fighting one of the Gracie guys. Uh, we don't get to see many Gracies. Uh, Grace the octagon, uh, like in the past, uh, we get to see Kron Gracie uh, face Charles Air Jordan. This will this will be fun. Very fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I We haven't seen Kron for
1: quite some time, actually. He, oh. he has been in the octagon for a while. I think Kron is definitely going to have to figure out and deal with Jordan's um, creativity on his feet in this striking department. And uh, depending on how he deals with that, that'll, 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 de- yeah, depending on how he deals with that, that's going to see how he finishes the fight or if Jordan can finish him in the fight. Cause I think Jordan actually has a very good chance of finishing him in this fight. as a striking prowess.
0: Yeah. I was really disappointed when the Charles Olivera, Neil Daryush fight got canceled off this card. Uh that was something that I was super, super excited about. Um, but uh we have to um yeah, so hopefully see them again soon. Uh the main fight on the prelims has Drew Dober against Matt Frivola. Uh always been a fan of Dober. Uh spent some time with him when the UFC was here four years ago. Got an opportunity to chat uh, with him quite a bit and um uh, his career has just continuously taken a rise. Uh, this will be a great lightweight fight for the feature prelim. Oh, that's a great fight!
1: Great fight! I love Dober. I love watching him fight. He's a great fighter, and uh, I, I, I picked Dober to win this fight because I, I think he's on a high right now, especially against uh, his last fight was against Bobby King Green, I believe. Right, and that was an epic fight. So awesome. Man, it was that great fight!
0: That was yeah. great.
1: Incredible,
0: yeah. Uh, I do look forward to the light heavyweight battle between Devin the Brown Bear Clark against Kennedy and Jikwu. Um, those guys are are both bangers and uh it should be uh yeah, probably an early night for one of them.
1: That definitely gonna be an early night for one of them. And I think uh the guy right underneath them for the welterweight final, Chaos Williams against whoever he's fighting. Yeah, that guy, guy is in trouble. That doesn't yeah. matter who he is. Whoever that chaos Williams is fighting, dude, you're in trouble. You get hit with one of those hands. Yeah. Night, 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 night,
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, one more fight was, uh, canceled off those prelims, uh, Andre Petrosky and Armand Petrosian, unfortunately will not make the walk, um, massive amount of early prelims. I don't, uh, I, I don't know if we'll get to see a ton here. Um, uh, Zelgas Zumagulov was supposed to fight Nathan Manez has been switched opponents now to Rafael Esteban and uh, we'll see how that turns out we got some you know interesting matchups there Phil Hawes against Ikram Askarov um, yeah it's uh lots of fights on this card hopefully no more get uh, dropped and cancelled
1: yeah ho- hopefully that's the end of that and uh we got a great uh we got a great card coming up for this weekend Looking forward
0: to it. Yeah. Uh, BKFC, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, had an event this weekend, and it got a lot of attention. We had some uh, former UFC guys going against each other. Mike Perry faced Luke Rockhold in the main event and absolutely destroyed uh, Luke Rockhold. Uh, Smashed up his teeth. They're all busted up big cuts on his face, just absolutely horrifically beat up Luke Rockhold. And as soon as he had his hand raised, he called out Conor McGregor, who was there. Conor came in the ring. They did a square off face-to-face. And uh, Conor said he wants to fight so bad in the bare-knuckle fighting championships. And uh, everybody locally was salivating over that possibility. But... Um, yeah, got a lot of attention with Connor B in there, two former UFC guys going there and, uh, some pretty horrific uh, pictures. If you, if you're squeamish at all, don't look online, but if you don't care about that, look online. I I have, and, uh, wow, uh, Luke Rockhold took a bad beating.
1: I saw the aftermath off of his Instagram where he showed his face and I'm like, oh, so you didn't win. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, he, it looked like he took a beating I don't know what Perry's face looked like But it, it couldn't have been anywhere close To what Rockhold looked like Like It looked Devastating
0: yeah. uh, Another fight that was just a Crazy all-out war Was Eddie Alvarez Getting a uh, split decision Win over Chad Mendes oh. oh, Holy crap This was crazy man This fight was insane uh, Mendez retired after it. He said, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, this bare echo stuff. I thought I would give it a try and holy cow. It was a, it was a nutty war. Try to find it online. If you're interested in wars like that. Wow. Uh, unreal, unreal. Uh, so, so did you have Eddie winning that fight? Um, yeah. I, I, I was leaning towards thinking that he had pulled it out, but uh geez, I, I would have hated, hated to be a judge. Really. It was, it was craziness. It was craziness. Yeah. These two went at each other and when you don't have anything on your hands, oh man, the, these punches really hurt and, and just devastate you. But to be able to, you know, withstand storms and come back and, it was just back and forth and uh it was it was pretty wild. It was pretty incredible. Well, obviously it was pretty wild. How about this? It was wild enough
1: where Chad goes, Yeah, I'm not doing this again. I'm good.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm going back into retirement staying there.
0: Staying. Ben Rothwell was involved in a fight, and um it was he he looked so bad. He won, he looked so beat up and bad. And I heard him talk today. He said, "You can't even believe how much my hands are hurting." Like, he's like, "My hands are I've never had sore hands in my life." He said, "I think I blew out both my biceps at time at some time during the fight. I could barely throw my hands." Uh, he said it was insane. He said, "You know, <laughs> um I've been involved in mixed martial arts for my entire career. And I think there's it's more dangerous because you can have, you know, bad things happen to your legs, to your knees, to, you know, yeah. you can have a lot more damaging type of things. But Jesus, I don't remember ever feeling this damaged and beat up <laughs> from any MMA fight I had. And it was, yeah, it was nutty. Uh, it, it's so uh, unbelievable, but I really think that, Um, bare knuckle fighting, uh, really actually will enter the realm of relevancy, uh, because of this card and what they who they had, the money they spent, the you know, the things that sort of emerge from it. Uh, it's taken a long time, many years, but I think, um, yeah, I think they finally have really reached sort of a, a place where they can be talked about and and uh people are looking forward will be looking forward to upcoming uh, cards they're going to they said they're going to have like four big big cards a year and the rest will be just the minor variety but um they said they're going to make a massive announcement over who is uh headlining the next fight probably in the coming weeks uh they were this close to signing francis inganu supposedly but uh, walked away after his yeah his demands. Supposedly he demanded twenty million for a fight, and they said that would bankrupt them. Yeah, yeah. They, no, paid no, they don't have so.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, supposedly one championship is really close to signing in Ganu right now, but his his demands are pretty outrageous, and uh, a lot of people are just thinking that one of those super fights is the only sort of place he can go if he's going to get the money that he's asking for.
1: Well, yeah, and and it sounds like he's going to have to wait a while for one of these super fights to happen because yeah. you know the top heavyweight boxers are moving on with their plans, and he's just he's waiting in the wings, so to speak. So, whatever is going to happen with him in the boxing realm, I think it's I think there's a high chance that none of that happens this year. Yeah. Like he'd have to look at next year. I like, I honestly believe that. I think the, high, the probability of that happening this year is not very high. Not very I actually,
0: high. I actually think that I wouldn't mind that because it gives him more opportunity to learn the sport, be better at you know at it. Uh, I don't give him much of a chance at any of the top heavyweights in boxing. You know, it's just not a fair fight, really. But if he has another whole year to really yeah. learn the ins and outs and really has some proper sparring partners and and good you know coaching, getting him ready, I I give him much more of an opportunity to. Do something that's not just going to be a walkover for some of these big fights that, you know, we've been hearing rumors about. Exactly. Like, you know,
1: if he takes the training seriously and he starts to train with that, the emphasis on it being boxing. Yeah. Yeah. Then he'll actually be prepared and he won't look ridiculous once he steps into the ring. You know what I mean? So and that's a good thing. Uh, Going back to Conor McGregor uh, getting into the ring there. Yeah. Cool. It would be cool if that could happen, but let's be honest here. He's under contract. Right. So no. Yeah. Not gonna happen. I'm sorry, BKFC fans, I'm so sorry. But it's never going to happen. Dana White <laughs> will never allow that to happen.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder if the UFC uh, you know, once they heard about this, they get mad. But it seems like Connor plays with by different rules than yeah. all the other guys on the roster. Yeah. So I think he, does. he usually just dances to his own drummer, and then he, you know, he he'll apologize for something wrong. He won't ask for permission. You no, know? Yeah. So, so, yeah, don't you think he he's always sort of played by different rules since uh, he's come into the the octagon and the UFC? Since he's gotten his,
1: um, since he's gotten his success, yeah.
0: definitely, and especially
1: after the Floyd Mayweather fight. Where he made the company, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars. So, apparently, if you do that, if you can make the company off of one event hundreds of millions of dollars, you can kind of do whatever the heck you want. And also, you'll be Dana White's buddy forever. Doesn't matter what you do in
0: your personal life, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're going to Jeff, we're tight, we're good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I heard a really great interview with Eddie Hearn the, uh, over the last couple of weeks. And he said he ended up uh, hanging out with Conor um, McGregor and just said, you know, this is a guy that just walks into a room and you just feel excited that you're in his midst. He's just so fun to be around. He's so personable. He's just he's got an energy about him that just electrifies wherever he is. And he was just super complimentary and it sounds like um Eddie Hearn and him are going to be working with Katie Taylor and being working with um uh yeah, some some of the boxing promotions and stuff like that. I think um Connor's gonna throw some of his money behind a lot of it. Um he's gonna obviously be um a big sponsor with proper 12 on a lot of uh you know mixed yeah. martial arts, boxing, whatever, a lot of cards around. Uh it makes a lot of sense for him to be in that realm but uh i've heard that yeah he's he's interested in putting his money behind fighters and getting into promoting and stuff like that as well
1: well no it's smart it's what he knows it's what he knows best and then also to getting attached to a man of certain significance like eddie Hearn. well you can't go wrong with that yeah you just can't go wrong with that that's smart business
0: yeah very cool yeah Okay. Well, uh, we've come to an end of an awesome episode of the uh, complete sports media Uh, tip Off has just happened in the NBA. So I want to send you off to get to watch some basketball. Uh, I guess I'll be seeing you this week. We'll go for lunch and then we'll go watch some hoops and we'll have an awesome day. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm hoping that the
1: sun comes out that particular day. I think it is. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I look forward to seeing yourself. Joe, Stefan, making fun of Stefan. Yes, I, I look forward good. to
0: it all. <laughs> okay, buddy. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll text a lot over the week, but uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it and enjoy your night. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. You too and enjoy the game. Talk okay. later.
0: Cheers. Good
1: night.
0: Good night. Okay. Well, we've come to another inclusion of a complete sports media podcast. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Appreciate uh, your support. Uh, really uh, thank you. Everyone involved. Uh, we're starting to really get some great subs subscribers. We're like ten thousand something. Um, got lots of nice comments always on our podcast. A lot of good feedback from people. Uh, we're getting um, yeah, lots of good views too. Yeah, i'm consistently seeing over a thousand views for uh, each podcast, and I uh, really appreciate the support. Um, yeah, thanks for everything, and uh, we will see you very soon um yeah keep you tuned out uh, watch instagram go to our website complete sportsmedia.com complete media network uh arts entertainment food beverage comedy lots of lots of amazing things on there so tell your friends tell your family become part of the complete media network team and um yeah we love you lots Oh, we will see you very soon thanks for sticking in and uh yeah we will talk to you later bye for now